Once upon a time, there was a young woman named Elise who wanted to see the entire world and all the stories within it. One day, she met a white rabbit who asked her to come along for a journey of discovery. Welcome to Elise in Wonderland. Welcome everyone to another episode of Elise in Wonderland. I am the host, Elise, and this is a show for those curious about the world, travel, and new perspectives. Well, today we have an incredible show lined up for you. Um, when one hears about Peru, thoughts of beautiful mountains, Amazon forests, Machu Picchu, and Incan history come to mind. What is not understood from afar is the lives of native, Peruvian, native Peruvians who have populated the territory since before Europeans landed in South America. Indigenous cultures have developed here for thousands of years and in some cases have been forgotten in favor of supporting the bigger revenue generating tourist attractions. Today we speak to Cesar Reynoso who came to Canada in order to gain the skills necessary to help rebuild a community and bring attention to supporting indigenous culture in his home country of Peru. Welcome today to our show of Elise in Wonderland, Cesar. Thank you for inviting me to, to the radio today. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very happy to be here with you today. We're so excited to have you. And actually, there was a faculty member that reached out to me um, when and you were in her program at Mohawk College. And she said, this person is an incredible person, an incredible student. Yeah. Uh, Caesar has an amazing story. And he's so passionate about um, this cause of going back to Peru and supporting this indigenous community there. So I was thrilled to talk with you, learn about your story, and have you on the show today. Thank you again. Caesar. tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came from Peru to be here studying in Canada. Well, my name is Cesar Mejia and I'm from Peru. I'm 33 years old. I'm married a wonderful woman and mm -hmm. I had two beautiful child and one coming in, in the way. Wow. I came to Canada in 2011. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was a professional jockey in my, in Peru. I was mm -hmm. racing horses mm -hmm. and I get a contract to come to, to come to Goodbye, Toronto, Etobicoke, Toronto. Mm -hmm. Uh, so to race horses as a professional. At Woodbine. At Goodbye. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, so you came here with your professional uh, role as a jockey. I think we're going to be talking a little bit more about what it was like for you in Peru, what it was like and why you made and how you made the decision to come to Canada and now why you're looking back. So before we get into you, your story, you sent me a song um, that you would like me to play and I want to start the show off with this song. This is basically a love song for Peru. Can you tell me, um, so I cannot pronounce this name, <laughs> uh, can you tell me the name of the song and why you chose this song? Well, the, the name of the song is in Spanish. Yeah. In Spanish, it said, Tengo el orgullo de ser peruano y soy feliz. You would do so much better than I would do <laughs> saying that, dude. Well, that means uh, I'm very proud to be Peruvian and I'm happy to be born in this land. Amazing. So, um, why did you choose this song for this episode? 
because even Canada opened the door for me. It's a wonderful country. Mm -hmm. uh, Canada is a country that opened door for everyone, and, and I'm very, I'm very um, thankful for that. But in my blood, still a Peruvian, and, and I'm very proud to be a Peruvian, and I'm very happy for where I'm born. Amazing. So we're going to play this song, um, and we will be back in just a few moments on Elise in Wonderland with Caesar talking about his story coming to Canada and his dreams of going back to Peru. We will be right back with you in a moment. Welcome back to Elise in Wonderland. We are here talking to Caesar about his journey to Canada from Peru and his dreams of uh, taking what he has learned here back. Uh, so it's 5, 10 p.m. and Caesar went, again, like I said in the beginning, when people think about Peru, they might not have the whole picture of what it's like. They think about, you know, some of the tourist places. So tell us about what do tourists see and what is the real life like in Peru for people who live there and have grown up there. Like, it's, sometimes I feel like it's sad when they, they show you about Peru. They always show you the very nice places, the beautiful cities, Lima and Machu Picchu. And of course, it's beautiful. Yeah. But they never show the, the reality with people living there. Mm. And so we have a very nice places like Machu Picchu is very famous mm -hmm. as a, uh, for a tourist. And we have Lima. They have all the, show you all the history about Lima and all the, you know, beautiful places. Yeah. But also we have a very, very bad place and with the, a lot of poverty and a lot of people, you know, we hungry and, and also we don't have all the benefits we have here in Canada, right? Mm. There's no welfare, there's no baby bonus there, it's, it's mm. you don't have all this there. Um, so what was life like for you growing up in Peru? Well, I grew up, uh, as kind of long family, you know, I am the third of six brothers. Mm -hmm. And my mom and my dad, they just give me what they can and they work hard and they give me the best they can. And, but, um, I grew up very poor. Uh, I remember just sometime my mama used to give me a bottle of water in the night. Just say, you know what? Just drink the water and then you barely feel like you have something in there. Mm. Or oh, my first pair of shoes I wear when I was 12 because my dad is cannot afford that. You know, it's not his foul. Yes. It just, if you go to my country, you can see they're looking for, they hire people for a job. It's just between two, 18 to 25. Mm -hmm. After 25, it's hard to find a job over there. Right. So it's the conditions. It's the, it's the economy as well. Um, and the, the things like having bonuses that don't exist to support a population of. It's not like the country don't have the money. Sure. It's just because they use the money and the comp, and what it, and the com, um, what is, it's benefits for them. Like mm -hmm. all the money they put in the tourist places, mm -hmm. all the money the government make, they put it in Lima because they bring money right. to them. That is their biggest. They don't care about thing. the other one because there's no benefits to them. Mm -hmm. They just promise when they can the elections, mm -hmm. they promise you and they give you one kilo of rice and mm -hmm. make you happy you get the votes and then they forget about you. Mm -hmm. So it's more of a political promise to, for people to rise in power there. Yeah. And so, um, I know that a lot of people, when they're listening to the show or wanting to know more about a place, they want to know what is food like, or what is, uh, what, 
is transportation like in Peru? Some of the day-to-day -day stuff. Can you tell us about maybe some of the popular things that you can eat when you're in Peru that don't exist anywhere else? Yeah, um, I took my friends to Peru, and also I took my wife too. And the main food there is called ceviche. You yeah. talk about like rough fish, yeah. just with lemon. Uh -huh. You live with the lemon for at least two hours and cook with the lemon. Mm -hmm. And then you shred it with onions and then you ready to eat. Mm, that sounds amazing. And the transportation is, is bad. Like the traffic is, is very scared. My wife was scared. Really? Oh, so it's yeah. not the same. I know Canada is known for having very strict rules for traffic. Oh, that's. <laughs> It's not not there. Like, yeah. police, you have a pulled over for a police. You just give five dollars. You give five dollars to them, uh -huh. and they are so happy about that. Oh, you make the Christmas, so nothing sure. happened. It's Keep like going. A, another sect of economy that happens between people. If you want to get something, you yeah. need to pay. A red light is like green light for them when you drive there. Huh. A stop sign, it's nothing there. It doesn't there. exist. <laughs> if you go to the like a public bus. Uh, sometimes it's supposed to be for a 30 people, it's just full. It's racing, you know, because, you know, like here, we have, a, like, a city buses. No, there, no. You have your bus, and you compete with the other buses there. So that's why so many accidents, too many people die, because oh they drive, like, like a crazy person. So did you have, um, coming, so coming to Canada then must have been a shock for you in a number of ways. Had you ever been to Canada before you made the move recently? No, no, no. And, and it was hard to me when I don't even speak the language. Yeah. I remember I came to the airport and and I was just looking around, reading everything, you know, like it was incredible. And and I remember my friend told me, oh, grab a taxi and, meet, and I could meet you there. And I want to speak the language, so I get a taxi and 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 I was just looking at everything around, the beautiful places. Uh-huh. Yeah. What was the first thing you noticed that was different when you came here? Well, the airport's huge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Many different international ports. Yeah. Um, so you came to Canada, and um, how did you choose to come to study at, at college here? Like as I told you, uh, when I was 14, if we go back a little bit, when yeah, I was yeah. 14, um, I, I was um, a kid with no, with no future or with no hope. Mm. Okay, I never finished high school in my home. Mm. And I, I just, when I was in elementary school, they used to have programs to do kind of uh, cookies and milk for the poor kid students. Mm -hmm. So I always was eating and I never was in class. Mm. So, um, so, um, that's why um, I never finished my school and then I went to the jockey school. I have, I had to live in, in the racetrack over there. Mm. I was live, sleeping with the horses. Mm. At the racetrack. In the racetrack yeah. because my dad cannot force to give me for my, for my, for my bus because mm. they don't have money. So I had to stay there mm. and I had to work every night, carry buckets of water and, uh, clean the, the horses just to, to get one meal in the night. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's why. Cause you wanted to, have a better life. Yeah, and so so when I never finished, so when I came to Canada, I never forget about my people. So I just want to do something different 
to help them but and you need to be prepared mm -hmm. so i have to something about education because mm -hmm. if we can educate these kids mm -hmm. they will know their rights mm -hmm. so how i can get to them if i don't have the tools to so i came to canada i learned the language and i did my high school here and then i went to college that's amazing we actually have a question from one of our listeners here who's asking um did you have any reservations like were you nervous about coming and what was the biggest change you had to make coming from Peru? Well, the first change was, first, the language. Of course, yeah. Because the, the person who helped me to bring to Canada, who helped me to come to Canada, when I came to Canada, he no was in Canada. Mm. So I don't know where to stay, I don't know where to sleep, so I find just one, one guy, he was from Peru to in that time, and he really helped me, and he really based some shopping for me, and let me stay with him. And it was hard for me, the language, because you feel like you are deaf. Yeah. Because you can understand and you cannot speak. It doesn't sound like a language, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it was hard because it's, it's new for you, you know, sometimes you don't know what to do. Right. So you picked up English, obviously, <laughs> and um, you had this amazing goal of coming here and learning your, the skills and tools, and you're in the education support program. Uh, here at Mohawk College, and you are going to graduate in 2019. Congratulations. Thank you. It's a long journey that you've gone here, and I'm sure so much work to make it through this program. What have you learned from the education support program? What's the biggest lesson that you've taken away from this? Well, I really love the course. Yeah. Because we really learn how to work with kids with behaviors. Mm -hmm. Like uh, we're working with um, a kid with autistic, autistic kids. Yeah. And kids with all the kind of syndrome, like kind of alcohol syndrome. Yeah. It's not, it's not only that kids we come in with behavior, we kids we come in with different country, with different cultures. Mm. So we, we. You totally understand what I that can't understand. So they teach us how to be prepared, how to work with them. Mm -hmm. So that's why I chose the course. Amazing. And so you live in Simcoe and you came to Canada and you had this career as a jockey at Woodbine and you had your friend that helped you get into this career. So explain to listeners that maybe have never been to a racetrack, what is life like a jockey? What is life of a jockey like? Okay, first, when I came to Canada, my friend helped me to come to Canada, mm -hmm. but a second friend they charged me $3,000 to come to Canada. Wow. Okay, I help you to the trainer, get a signature, you come to Canada. But when you come here, you pay me. This was like a business for him. It's a business for him. He even, he even charged his family and everything. So. Wow. But, I mean, but he helped me to come to the country. Yeah, yeah. You know, and open doors for me. So, mm -hmm. and, um, so then you started working as a jockey. What What's everyday like, life like? Well, you wake up four in the morning. Yeah. Four in the morning and... You can you know, even eat good breakfast because yeah, yeah, the tools or the the job is your body. Mm. So I wake up in the morning, I get ready my my best, my helmet, and I have to in the morning I have to galloping or or trainer the horses that are going to rise in the weekend or in the night, depending mm. on the days the races. Mm. So, so I have like to getting them prepared for a big prepare. race. Yeah. And then I have one agent. Mm. The agent is who get all the schedules, mm -hmm. who get the days that I have to work with the horses and then he get a horse for me race in the weekends. Wow. So do you have a particular horse that is yours or do you race all of them? I race or I register all the horses for wow. the, the any horse my my agent gave to you gave me to me so yeah. you have to understand maybe the differences between them to know 
how to read the behavior of this animal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I was in the jockey school in Bajon, right? Oh, cool. I was in I the jockey. I didn't even know a jockey school existed. I don't know. Well, we don't have it here in Canada, but we oh, have Oh, really? We it's have it there in Peru. It's like a, was, training, a training program. Yeah, for other jockeys. You know, the old jockeys, you have to be in the jockey school. And I've been in the jockey school for two years. I started with 14, and then to 16, I graduated. Amazing. So there was actually... Um, an accident that happened that kind of ended this chapter in your life. Yeah, um, as a jockey, you get a lot of struggles. Like first, the weight. Mm-hmm. Angra was five feet flat. You know, I know to tall, so I know <laughs> I know struggle much with my weight. Uh, but I saw a lot of jockey with six feet tall. Uh, and, and it's I, easier if you're smaller. And it's more because you raise by weight. You have to be around 505 to 115. Yeah. So a lot of jokes you to put the finger in the mouth to... What? Mm. So there's eating disorders. Eating, a, a lying. I saw a lot of, I saw one guy go to the sauna and the jokes most of the time we put a, a baby oil to uh-huh, sweat uh-huh. so fast. And that day he put alcohol and then he get fired off his body. Oh my gosh. I saw the jokes to die because throw the food from, oh put the gosh. finger in the mouth. Yeah, and, yeah. It's, it's very dangerous. Like in my case, I was racing one day and I was a 15 horse in the race and I was in front. And when I get the last tour, I say, oh, well, I'm ready to win. And my horse broke down and the 14 horses was behind, behind me, the stand on me. So the 14 horses behind you trampled you. Yeah. So I wake up after two weeks and I was in a coma. Oh my gosh. So this was marked the end of your jockey career. You Kinda, can no yeah. longer do this work. And then at what point things turned around for you? Obviously, this is a hard moment in your career and realizing what am I going to do next? And you met your wife. Yeah. <laughs> well, my wife is a vet technician. I, I met her in the racetrack too. Amazing. So, um, yeah. So when I met her, you know, I asked her for a day by Google Translator because I cannot <laughs> speak the language. <laughs> So you pulled your phone out, oh, you yeah. pulled out Google Translate, and, and you she, said, hey, you want to go on a date with me? Press play. Press play. <laughs> okay, we go meet in Niagara Falls. I had to take the bus from Toronto <laughs> to Niagara because I have no car. And so she had to do some something there. So mm, she was ready there. Is she Canadian there. herself? She's Canadian, yeah. Okay. So then this is an amazing story of how language doesn't mean anything <laughs> and you can still um, build a relationship through this so you from there i mean obviously you have kids on the way things worked out she's an amazing woman you know i think she may be listening on the radio too so. yeah she are yeah and she really is an amazing woman and i'm very mm. proud of her mm. well hello to caesar's wife and thank you for listening <laughs> so um she did she kind of in a sense then show you the ropes and like how to integrate into into canada and life here yeah. she's an amazing woman that way she always pushed me to a better man. Mm. So when she met me, she started to buy a books for me. She buy a kindergarten book. And, and I was feel stupid. I said, well, you buy a <laughs> kindergarten book. I said, well, it's your first language you have to learn as a baby. Yeah. And she started to buy like ABC, the color with cartoon pictures. So she and taught you English? Yeah, she started to teach me at home. And then she said, well, you have to go to school. And I said, yeah, I would like to go to school. I really want to. She said, okay. So I tried to go to school and say, oh, you need to learn English first. So I work hard in the English <laughs> yeah. with her. Yeah. She really ha- helped me a lot at home. Wow. Get a lot of her style and teach me. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Um, and so this is how you got in into, into an education here. Um, 
Now, what were your first impressions of Canada? Uh, I think you had a few comments for me when we first talked, and it touches on some of the things you talked about around equality. So um, there are things like healthcare, which are which are different here. Yeah, in my country it's like that. If you have money, you are alive. If you are poor, you dead. Mm. It's not like here we have an equal, you know, equal benefits for everyone. Mm. Like uh, kind of we talk about the healthcare. In, in Peru, we don't have this benefit. Is if you go to like, like the government hospital, uh, you uh, you wanna go today? Mm-hmm. You call today for that appointment, and they call you when you're already dead. Kind of like that, you know. It's just kind of <laughs> joke, but <laughs> that's the joke back in Peru. It's not, but yeah, because but it's not funny we, joke. Yeah, but it's real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, if you wanna survive, you have to pay. If you can afford that to go to private hospital or private... So basically, place. don't get sick, don't get hurt. Yes, very much. <laughs> it's the rule there. Um, what else uh, What else did you learn? That the education. Yeah? I've been doing my placement, my first placement last year, or this year, sorry. Okay, and but I, placement, like a co-op placement for yes. school. Okay, great. And I saw so how amazing all the schools are here. Oh, they have uh, EAs and they have a uh, language uh, for people that know verbals, you know, they help with communication. Mm-hmm. And they have uh, all... The technology that helps te- with They have uh, laptops and tablets and all this technology. And my home, the public school, you don't have all this. Mm-hmm. And we, we have a very smart kids. We have a kids that deserve a very a better education. That mm-hmm. that's an opportunity, but but if you, if you want a good education in my country, you need to pay for it. You mm-hmm. need to go to private school. It's the only way you can go education. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So um, that kind of leads us into the next topic that we're going to talk about after the song, where you, you're here, you've made such a commitment to making life happen in Canada, learning the language, starting your family here, and um, finishing your program. And there's still something back home that is calling you back to Peru. So can you, before we go into the next song, give us a little bit of an introduction to um, what it is that you, what it is that's calling you, that makes you want to go back? The kids. Mm. The children in Peru. The children in Peru. I just say, if we can make difference to them, we can share the future. Mm-hmm. If we can bring hope to them. I was a kid with no hope. I just had the opportunity, and I grabbed it. But sometimes these kids, they don't have the opportunity. They don't have that somebody to give you the little push. Mm-hmm. You know? Or to show them that life can be different. Yeah, you can give to them. Sometimes they, all what they need is a hope. Mm-hmm. And, of course, hope and opportunities mm-hmm. to them. So that's what I I doing all the stuff that we were talking after that song, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you for the little sneak preview. Yeah. <laughs> so you already have an incredible story. We haven't even talked about the ending yet or where you're going next. So thank you, Caesar. I'm going to play as a little break this song, El Condor Pasa, The Condor Passes, which is by a Peruvian composer, Daniel Alomia Robles which was written really long time ago in 1913 and based on traditional folk music from Peru. This song has been replicated time and time and time mm-hmm. again. I'm not sure if you've heard this version right. too yet. Yeah. It's been estimated that over 4,000 versions of this melody exist. 
Um, and in 2004, Peru declared it as a second national anthem of Peru. It was popularized, of course, to English listeners where I had first heard it by Simon Garfunkel in the um, famous American duo in 1970. And I'm going to play it in just a few seconds and we will be back in Lisa Wonderland. Benvenuti to Alice in Wonderland. Swagate Alice Wonderland. Alice in Wonderland에 오신 걸 환영합니다. On 1015. 1015 The Hawk입니다. Xin chào. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Welcome back to Lisa in Wonderland. It is 5.33 p.m. and we're talking to Caesar, of course, about his um, journey from Peru to Canada and back. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the song. I chose it because its original songwriter wrote it about coming home to Peru, so I thought it was very fitting. And for those listening... Um, to this episode, we actually have someone else in our in our studio. He's blushing around the corner, but he is um, a young gentleman who has come here with Caesar, actually. And it just touches on the point of how Caesar's mission to um, educate young people and show them a different opportunity has come to life. Can you tell me a little bit about who is here? Yeah, uh, his name is Elia Maya. Elia Maya. Yeah, yes, he is from Brazil. Um, he is in the process of learn, learning the language right now. Mm-hmm. He came to Canada around two months ago. I know, I know his parents, and so I brought him to Canada to get the opportunity mm-hmm. to go to school here, and he can have better, better life. Mm-hmm. And then maybe he can make difference with his, with his people and maybe help his family too. Back in Brazil. Um, do you want to say hi to your Brazilian speakers? You can speak in Portuguese if you'd like. <laughs> Olá. Olá, como vocês estão? <laughs> boa tarde, boa tarde, esse momento. Mm-hmm. So, what did he say? Olá, como estão? Oh, sorry. Hi. It's Spanish. Hi, everyone. Uh, good afternoon. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, he's live streaming this for everyone back home, so we're excited <laughs> to see that. So, um, Caesar, tell us then, there is this whole mission that you have where you want to support the citizens of Pucallpa, Peru, um, indigenous people that live there that have uh, no access really to the outside world where they're living. What inspired you to do this work? What inspired me to do this job or this work is where I come from. Mm. You know, for the first thing is where I come from and all the hard life, you know, all the hard situation I had when I was just very young, you know, and that's made me strong and made me do something better in life. Mm-hmm. Not only for myself, just to for my family, my, my, my wife, my kids, my parents, they, um, they living now in Canada with me, yeah. my brother too, and, and the people in Peru. Mm-hmm. So you went on a mission trip about two years ago with your wife, which was supposed to be a vacation, and yes. it turned into something else. Tell us about that. Well, two years ago, I planned a vacation because I want my wife to know where I come from, who I am, yeah. my culture. 
So that's what I've gone. I've got her to, to my country and then we had the opportunity to go to the indigenous area, indigenous people. Mm. And we was, and then when we went there, we have to, we went to the city of Pucallpa and then we need to go by boat by around eight hours to the indif, to the jungle by river, river Ucayali. Mm -hmm. And then we can reach the area where the indigenous people live with no electricity, with no, sorry, no lights. Mm. The only water they drink is the water from the river. So you can see, you, you think you are drinking chocolate milk, but it's just the water they drink. Oh and, you know, and no hospital, no school. So, so we was, we knew where we going. So me and my wife, we, we went and we buy rice, we buy sugar, noodles, mm. and, and, and we travel more the, the one time, the second time we bring medicine for them and, Soccer ball, soccer ball for Christmas tie and some clothes and also the church where I go and the better Baptist church is the church where I am, I am Christian mm -hmm. and they really support me so many times with all the missions to like as a Christian, you know, we like to help mm -hmm. people and as a mission for us is just to help them too. This is the better Baptist church in Simcoe. Yes. Uh, amazing. So a little bit about Pucallpa that I did some research. It's a city on the Ucayali River. Ucayali, yeah. Ucayali, thank you. Uh, in the Amazonian rainforest of eastern Peru. Uh, Pucallpa means red dirt. Is that right? Yeah. And so tell us a little bit about what life is like for these people. What is life like? I'll be honest to you. They might not have nothing. They don't know what technology but they are so, so happy people. You know, the kids wake up most of the time four in the morning and really light. The weather is, or can be feel like 50, 52 degrees, so hot. Wow. And they don't speak Spanish. They speak the language they call Chipino. Chipino, and this is like a dialect. Dialect, yeah. And so even, even I speak, had a I have a hard, well, very hard time to talk to them. So I always had to translate. People can speak both language, mm -hmm. Spanish and Chipino. You know, um, I feel tourists over there too in my old country. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, the the only meat they eat, the only meat they can eat is the fish, because mm -hmm. whatever they can catch mm -hmm. from the from the river. Uh, no lights, no water, no hospital. Mm -hmm. They no high education there. It's, the, the government sent one teacher one day, they pay the whole year for he educate the kid. He's supposed to stay with the, with the indigenous, but he just get the money. He never show up, right? right because right. it's hard to get there, you know? Mm -hmm. And the kids know how cross. It's a lot of, I met one pastor from Peru. They working with indigenous. That's mm -hmm. how I get there. And he go to the indigenous every two weeks. Mm -hmm. So it's how I get. So they, they're kind of like their lifeline there. Yeah. What is, uh, how does society view indigenous people in Peru? Um, like how do, how do maybe people that live in the city centers view the people that are indigenous? Do they know, do they know that people live there? They know, mm. but they're not willing to go there. Mm -hmm. You know, and they know, it's even because it's not safe. And my last three, I was there. I, I get sick. I get the dengue. Dengue, wow. The mosquitoes beat me. Yeah. 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 I was, I was fever and I was sick and, yeah, you know, I came to Canada sick because of that too. And, but I, st I still want to go. Yeah. So other people could see it as maybe dangerous, not worth their time. 
Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it can be danger. Mm-hmm. So because most most people when when they want to come with me, I always recommend to put the needles. Yeah, but yeah. I don't like needles. That's why I don't put nothing. <laughs> That's why you got sick. <laughs> so what are what are the people like there? And you said that they're very happy. They like soccer ball, but they, when I was there I, the first time with my wife, I realized they don't have soccer ball. They play with pineapple, <laughs> yeah, yeah. or whatever they can, whatever rock they can find. So I did something different. So I decided uh, to my church, my church purchased, give the money to buy around 400 soccer balls. So mm-hmm. I went, I went to the indigenous, and we get to each soccer ball for each kid. You can see the faces. They wake up just three in the morning and wake me up. Caesar, Caesar, can you play soccer with us? Oh, okay. Aww. So we play soccer three in the morning all day and they can be poor. They are poor, but they get everything they can. They treat me like a king. I said, you know, you know how to do all this they for me. They give you everything. Yeah. They kick the chicken when they, sometimes they have a baby chicken, the chicken they raise and they kill the best chicken, the big one for me. And, and last time I was there, I monkey. Whoa. I can say no. I eat everything. I go yeah, eat yeah, yeah. so uh no was too bad. <laughs> so they I know in a previous conversation they said um whenever you come to visit or whenever visitors come they give them everything that they have. They cook yeah. for them, even if they don't have food themselves. Yeah. Um so this is on this vacation that you had, this is how you're introduced to the people of Pucalpa. And uh how many times have you gone back since? Well, I've been traveling at least two or three times a year now. Wow. And so um, there are certain things that you've learned in your program here that you want to recreate. Can you speak a little bit about what you want to take back to Peru? Yeah. Um, it's been in my heart for many years and to open one organization to help these kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, my goal is open a place that we can... We can um, have around 200 kids mm-hmm. and we can educate it mm-hmm. we can feed them we can get at least two meals or three meals at three, three meals a day mm-hmm. and we can educate we can do workshop we mm-hmm. can sing we can teach language we can teach music we can do workshop and then they can learn to work because i i i feel like if we can we can educate these kids mm. and then when they get older they say well you know what I have a right. I have a right to to have a better life. Mm-hmm. But if you don't know what your rights mean, how you can fight for something that you don't know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, so part of it includes academic studies, mm-hmm. um, manual activities, learning some you know how to build their community, how to uh, how to take care of each other's health, uh, language lessons, food, and a sense of community. Um, so. How, what is your plan on achieving this? I know you're going to be going on a trip very soon. Um, what does that first trip look like in July? Because then, because all all my missions three, I realized that one of the things that they don't have is a hospital. Mm-hmm. So I decided to do a missions, a medical missions trip. Mm-hmm. So I I was capable to talk with some doctor even from Hamilton and from Huggersville. Mm-hmm. Willing to go to to Peru, we go to Peru in August August second to August fifteen. I have a group of people with doctors, dentists, nurses, and people from my church too. That we go preach the gospel to them, and we wanna help 
to to get checked out with the doctor because there's no doctor there, then, so we want to help them mm-hmm. with that. So um, doing a check. How many people are in this community too? I was curious about that. Well, it's a one big community, maybe fifty people, but it's mm-hmm. other communities around. So always mm-hmm. coming. So people would come. Let's say the word got around that there's going to be a dentist. And the first thing week. they come is kids. You see yeah. kids a lot because they know educate and what is press, con- press control is right. So. Mm-hmm. The one couple can have is the last time I met one guy they have 12 kids oh my gosh and they can afford to to feed them yeah, yeah. but how how There's they no can birth control method they know no one is this means so <laughs> really um, so and you also said that your wife wanted to teach uh, come back and teach some of these uh, children yeah. skills so that one was my reason to the first time I talked to my wife, because my wife always said, oh, you know what, Peru, oh, feel bad, poor, poor. But when she was there, her view changed completely. And she one of the person who has been pushing me even more. We need to do something about it. You know, we, we, she's, she always support me in, in all my goals and everything. So, mm-hmm. so she's willing to go there and, and move there with my kids. Mm-hmm. Me, my wife, my kids work for that community and maybe. Yeah, yeah, permanent. So when 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 would you see yourself actually moving there full time? So I'm planning to go after finish my college. Mm-hmm. So I'm planning to go for first for three months, me and my family, my kids, yeah. for three months and get my kids get the culture and everything, and then come back here and then plan everything and mm-hmm. and, and look for the resources too because. I need help to open all this thing and find organizations can willing to, to help. So you have this amazing group of medical professionals going with you after the summer. Yeah. Uh, what's the plan? What? Uh, who else are you looking for? I know you're looking for other different professionals. Uh, psychology. Yeah. Even, even I know there's a lot of people that might listen to the radio that can speak Spanish and English. <laughs> so we need translators. Anyone out there can speak Spanish and English. Yeah, we need translators too, a lot, and nurses, doctors, mm-hmm. um, eye doctors too. And eye doctors, yeah. Yeah. Um, nutrition, nutrition doctors too. Nutritionists. Nutritionists, yeah. Interesting. Do they have, what is their kind of, economy or not economy how do, do they raise um their their food sources do they have farms do they because they it seems like they're living quite in isolation away from yeah. any other communities but so it's not like they can go to the grocery store but the sad the sad thing is the 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 city get, get benefits of them a lot how so because they do kind of they raise potatoes or kind of stuff like that mm. And they work hard and sometimes because then they just give like 10 cents, mm. 10 cents for a so big, the government pays them a big box for 10 kilos or like 20 pounds of potato for 10 cents. Oh they God. use them. So that way they work for three months just for make a 10 cents. Um, so you want to teach them in a way to be to understand their rights to understand. they need to learn the numbers right yeah. a lot of them they don't know the numbers so they don't know the value of they don't know cents. the value of the 10 cents mean mm. and and maybe we can because they they live in the houses they live in is they make with the plants we don't have a house we have here you know they have the they make by they cut the tree mm-hmm. and they use the leaf for like in a roof mm-hmm. It's how they live. Yeah, yeah. They don't have a bed. They don't have all the 
we have here. They don't have a stove, they don't have microwave for sure, they don't have this kind of stuff like that. I think there's a lesson in there um, for people to understand around what really makes you happy. And it sounds like for this, this culture and these people, it's having their family around, being safe, and it's not necessarily having a million things like the newest iPhone or anything. I don't want to be nothing politic, nothing like that, but yeah. sometimes we complain about our governments, I say. Mm. Sometimes we complain, but sometimes they don't appreciate how much we have here. We have free education, we have free healthcare, we have so many benefits. I know we pay taxes for Yeah. But... Yeah. You you know, but you pay taxes. For but you have the benefit. They don't have it. They don't have any baby bonus. You don't have disability. You know, can work. You can you know either. Mm. So so what is having come here? And I imagine you're in a classroom with some younger adults in Canada that are just learning how to make how, how who they are themselves, what their values are, um, as well as talking to people that have always lived here and have never known another life. What do you think is the biggest thing that we take for granted living here? Um, the education. Yeah. So, we talk about for to the young people sometimes they don't want to go to college. Mm. And it's too sad because I wish I could have the opportunity when I was in my 15 or my 16 year old, but I couldn't. I, I started to work when I was nine year old. I remember I used to, I used to buy, um, a bag of candies, and I used to jump to the buses, and I, sometimes my old brother used to pick my face like a crowd, and I used to join me and my youngest brother, he's one year older, than, younger than me, and we used to sing in the buses, and we used to send the candy for 10 cents in the street, mm -hmm. just to to get the money and we can help my parents mm -hmm. for the food. So you see this big contrast, I'm sure, when you hear people complaining about homework or mm -hmm. I don't want to <laughs> go to school. Even a lot of immigrants, immigrants like, Peruvians, Colombian, or whatever country when they come to, to to Canada, they get to that to that system too. That they start to compare everything, and the and the more hard they embother me, I just say, is they forgot where they come from. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, sometimes they complain, oh, you know why you made me work so much, but you say, well, you don't remember how you was working in your country for, mm -hmm. you know, and then you come to the country and you complain. So, I just that's a beautiful country here. Yeah. It's opportunities here so get opportunity yeah, yeah. if you've never it's almost like when you're talking about um, some people who don't know their rights don't know that there's another way it's almost the opposite here um, or in other countries where if you've never known what a struggle is in a different way then you find things to complain about even if, even if they're not legitimate things to complain about. I saw a lot of immigrants to come to the country and they forgot where they come from. Mm. Immigrants work hard, they make money. We work hard. Mm -hmm. But they forgot where they come from, you know where it's. And sometimes they forgot about their people also, they forgot about the old family. Mm -hmm. So this brings me to my point, um, that that is something that you've mentioned this whole time, I've, I've talked to you and interviewed you before the radio, was, okay, I can't wrap my head around someone who would want to come back here and do all of this work to make a life here and then go back to Peru. And then you made it very clear to me why this work is very important to you. Can you share that with our listeners? Why is it important for you to go back? 
I want to make different. Mm-hmm. I want to make different. I want to, first, I want to give hope to them. Mm-hmm. I want to, they, they, I'm being honest, I'm more concentrated in, the, in these kids, in the child. Yeah. You know, I want to, they, they living with no hope when they get the nine year old, the 11 year old, they have to work, work as a man, mm-hmm. working in the cha- in the jungle, killing streets. Because mm-hmm. they, they think it's the only thing they can do. They don't have hope. Mm-hmm. I want to make different to them. I want to make really different to them. Mm-hmm. And um, why do you think it's important that people never forget where they come from? Why is it important to remember where you come from? Because that makes you strong. Yeah. That makes you strong. That make your dream. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was just nine years old and I was just full in dream, but sometimes you can see, well, it's too far. Mm-hmm. But one of the reasons I am where I am is my parents. Yeah. And the first thing I had the opportunity when I came to Canada, I brought my dad, I brought my mom, and I brought my youngest brother you living with me. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, how are they enjoying Canada? Well, my dad say he really like it. He's yeah. working now. Yeah, nice. He have a job. He no, he no really want to come back right now to Peru <laughs> <laughs> because he's able to to help my other brother from here. Yeah. He cannot do that from Peru. He say so. He helped my brother to pay for college too, and because he's international student. As I, I don't know if you know, but yes, I know the to, fees are crazy. It's crazy yeah. for them. So, so. Mm-hmm. so they're making it work here too. And they really like her. I even mean, they don't speak the language. Yeah. But they really like, they like the culture here. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, here you can work in the street with your phone, with your tablet. Yeah. It's free. In my country, you cannot do that. Right. You cannot even have your ears. Um, a little earring. Because yeah. they pull your ear and cut your ear and piece. Yeah. They pull. So it's, it's a safe country here. That's amazing. Um, I just wanted to end by reminding our listeners, if you're inspired by Caesar's story, if you want to um, connect with him and talk about maybe how you can help or talk about if you have any of these services that you want to provide, I'm going to post his contact on our Facebook page. You can find him on our Elise in Wonderland Facebook page at Elise1015, and we will connect you with the world, Caesar. Um, I just wanted to thank you again for being here, sharing your story, and helping to um, give some context for people around why you're so passionate about the work you're doing and um, how hard, how hardworking you have been to make this dream become a reality. And just before to end, yeah. one of these big support always I've been having here was the church where I'm going. Yeah, the Better Baptist Church. In they're in they're really always been support me and send people to from the church to the tree to they're helping me even with economic with with the stuff they buy and mm. it's, it's, it's been blessed for my for me and also my family amazing thank you for uh, reminding me and shouting out on the radio again thank you again caesar um thank you caesar's friend elias. for being here elias um and uh we are going to end the show now Uh, I will be posting what our subject will be next week and again I'm going to be uh, connecting Caesar on our on our Facebook page if you have any questions please feel free to send me a message on the page Caesar you're incredible and he just told me he was in a in the newest version of the momentum magazine which came out interviewing him on his story as well Um, thank you for being here and thank you thank you for the invitation so we're gonna finalize the show with um, 
a song called Cinnamon Flower by Chabuca Granda. It's an example of a Peruvian waltz song. And uh, again, Caesar, amazing show. Um, and I can't wait to connect with you further and hear about all of the amazing work that you will undoubtedly be doing over the next few years in Peru. Thank you, everyone. We're going to see you again next Thursday at 5 p.m. on Elise in Wonderland. Uh, have a great week. Thank you.